Welcome. This is Jennifer Bangser with the Westport Library, and you're tuned to WPKN 89.5 FM, broadcasting to Connecticut, Long Island, and around the world, streaming at WPKN.org. I'm delighted to be here uh, every month on a fifth Monday, where there's a fifth Monday to talk about everything happening down at the Westport Library on our open book radio program. And today I'm excited to be here with my colleague, Alex Giannini. Hey, Alex. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, gosh, not, the library wouldn't have any program without all your <laughs> talent and ideas bringing everything to us. But we have so much to talk about. Um there's just, I think, what do we do? About 2,000 programs a year down at the library, mm-hmm. and each season has its own flavor, and we have new initiatives coming up, and we're going to talk to have some really interesting interviews later on the program with some people appearing at some pretty special event called yeah. Story Fest happening. We're, we're about to head into our very busy season. Yeah. In the beginning of September. So, but until we're busy, we still have some stuff for folks to do down at the library. We have our summer reading program full of challenges and prizes for all ages, so you can still catch up on your summer reading. So go to the westportlibrary.org website and find out all about that. We have some f- a few programs for kids, teens, and adults this summer that you might want to check out. I think for the WPKN audience, we have coming up this Thursday, Howard Safan, who runs the Hartford Amphitheater, is going to be in yeah. conversation at, in the Treffs Forum, right, Alex? Yep. He's going to talk about how he started the, the amphitheater and what they have going on and how they've kind of grown into one of the premier venues in the area. Very exciting. And that's a free talk, 7 o'clock, so come on down and enjoy that. Um, we have a author talk happening later in the month, which is really interesting. Sam uh, Greenberg, who, who wrote a book about H- Hubert Humphrey and his activism with civil rights and running for the presidency, and he was just interviewed on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. I know that's not competition for PKN, so I thought it would be okay to say that. But that should be a really exciting conversation. That's on August 23rd. So there's still stuff happening at the library this summer in between your downtime. Come and check us out. Um, But really, we have two really exciting kind of initiatives at the library we want to talk about. First, I'll talk a little bit about the new Verso University concept, which is a very exciting initiative. We have a generous donor who helped us realize this vision of offering programs and classes for lifetime learning at the library. And I know Alex has been really involved in helping develop the programs for that. Yeah, and there's a little bit of something for everyone from uh, one-on-one classes up to post-grad level courses that are really deep dives into different subjects. And really, I mean, you've done so much, Jennifer, but it's uh, so many different subjects and so many different teachers from from all over the place. It's, it's really a great program. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Westport doesn't have a college of its own, so we kind of like to think of ourselves as filling that need and niche for lifetime learning. Uh, we have a uh, I think the WPK and audience, a couple programs they might they might like under the Verso University rubric. Uh, we have Brian Torf, professor at Fairfield University, teaching history of jazz course, which is four sessions that start September fifth. It's during the day, and I and it's going to be a really dynamic program. And you can find the registration for that. These classes do fill up, so please be sure to register. That, and they're free. Very important. They are free. And <laughs> who doesn't want something for free? So that's happening. We also have a songwriting academy workshop for adults happening later in September. I believe it's September 
First? First, 21st, yep. 21st, that it begins with uh, the um, Song Arts Academy Contemporary Songwriting Workshop, and that's eight sessions. And there's a little bit of a fee for that because there's studio time and there's a book that comes with it. But if you really want to dive in and develop your songwriting as a lifelong learning or a continuing learning activity, you, you won't be disappointed in that course. Yeah, that's a college-level course. That, Absolutely. Just for a nominal fee. It's really just to cover the materials costs that you're going to be able to take home. Yeah, absolutely. And some time in our SSL uh, analog digital recording studio. So you'll learn a little bit about that part of the songwriting process as well. And another initiative we're doing under Versa University, aside from courses in film and politics, and we'll have a video game course coming up and some some courses through our Verso studios to understand video editing. Those are all under development. So you need to visit our website or sign up for our newsletter to stay tuned. We're also doing an outreach program with the Connecticut Art Trail, which is a, a consortium of the 2324 museums in Connecticut. And each month we're bringing one of the curators or directors into the library on a Thursday morning at 10 o'clock for a nice overview of that museum. And this week we have the curator from the Weir Farm coming in. Oh, cool. So that'll be fun. And then later it's the New Britain Museum of Art is having a program about Shaker Furniture in Connecticut, the Aldrich, and so on. So there's a lot to dig into. So there's that part of what we're mm-hmm. doing. And now we're going to jump into Alex's brainchild <laughs> story oh. fest or sixth annual literary festival yeah um this year the the festival will be in october october 20 21 and 22 uh friday saturday sunday as jennifer mentioned it is our sixth year of this which is incredible it's the largest it's grown into the largest literary festival in connecticut uh it's also one of the largest on the east coast at this point this year we'll have we're inching up to about 45 authors from all over the place. So it's wow. a, a genre spanning um, and, and kind of age demographic spanning um, list of authors. And the goal of StoryFest is really just to bring reading, writing, uh, and, and creativity and community to, uh, to the area. So um, getting back to some of the roots of StoryFest, uh, the, the, the very first one came as a, a collaboration between the Westport Library and the Westport Public Schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea there was to get a lot of the authors into the schools to talk to the kids. So we're going back to that finally after the pandemic and a couple of virtual story fests. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm burying the headline. The big news is <laughs> that after <laughs> about four years of chasing, uh, Neil Gaiman will be our keynote speaker this year on uh, Friday, October 20th at 7 p.m. Uh, he, he's the story fest kickoff and our our annual Malloy Lecture in the Arts uh, uh, discussion. And he will be in conversation with uh, another award-winning author, Stephen Graham Jones. Um, So (laughs) you've got Neil Gaiman, who who is the creator and writer of The Sandman, which is now on Netflix, Mm -hmm. American Gods, which is on another one of those (laughs) platforms, Uh, Coraline, the graveyard book. He's won a Newbery. He's won uh, every every imaginable award in uh, in literature, and and he's just a, a rock star in the field. Uh, and as I said, we've we've been uh, kind of chasing him for a couple of years now, and and COVID has has kept him out, but he's finally uh, here, and we're so thrilled to have him. It is really stunning, and we had a first release of tickets that went very quickly. So please watch our website and our newsletters for the next release of tickets so yeah, you don't want to miss the the final mm-hmm. uh, bank of seats will be released probably in a week and a half from okay. now so we'll, we'll we'll have an announcement on the website but um westportlibrary.org but yeah we had 300 seats went in about three and a half Jeez. minutes 
So again, it's a free event, uh, which uh, is, is is crazy um, because he he does fill theaters when when he speaks. We'll have plenty of signed books for folks in attendance. Uh, mm-hmm. He's generous enough to sign. He doesn't do public signings, but he will sign a ton of books in advance. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have an amazing list of books from him. That will be available. And he loves libraries. He does love libraries. Um, And he's really just the start of uh, a huge weekend of of stuff. Um, Before he gets there on on that Friday, we're going to be sending some of the authors, as mentioned, into the schools. So Mm -hmm. uh, local authors, Lorian Lawrence and Janae Marks, will be in the middle schools talking about their books and and talking to kids about writing. Uh, And we have a a bunch of other authors that are going to be going into the the Westport High School uh, staples. Uh, and into high schools in Fairfield, Norwalk, and Bridgeport as mm-hmm. well. So we're, mm-hmm. we're finalizing those plans, but that's super exciting. Um, and then Saturday, uh, October 21st, uh, starting at 10 o'clock, it's, that's kind of the big day of the festival. So we'll have, as I said, about 45 authors talking on uh, big panels, small panels, um, and they'll also uh, book signings throughout the day. We set up in collaboration with the uh, Westport Barnes & Noble, a, a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the books will be available for sale mm-hmm. and all the authors have their signing times. And like I said, it's it's a great uh, list of people. Uh, we haven't officially released that list, but I think we can do that here. Here you go. Uh, I won't go through all of them, just a couple of them. Um, we've got uh, just bestsellers and, and award winners, including Angie Kim, uh, Josh Mallerman, who wrote Bird Box, which yeah. that sequel is going crazy on Netflix right now. Um, new to the festival, Carolyn Kepnes, who is the author of the U series, which is also on Netflix. Uh, I mentioned Stephen Graham Jones. Stephen has uh, just a slew of uh, Times bestsellers. Uh, Paul Tremblay, who wrote The Cabin at the End of the World, which is the book that the M. Night Shyamalan film Knock at the Cabin was mm, based on. Which I watched. Mm, hey, getting ready for story <laughs> <Yeah>. fest. <laughs> um, Wendy Walker, who's, uh, her, her latest book uh, is What Remains, and actually yesterday was chosen as a New York Times editor's choice. Very cool. Yeah, a, a thriller. Um, I could go on and on, but we have yeah. so many folks, including uh, Clay McLeod Chapman, who we're going to be hearing from in a little while, who, yeah, who we're writes gonna, a, we're, We'll We'll, we'll uh, cue him up in just a moment. Um, we also have, the, the that's the Saturday lineup, mm-hmm. is really the author panels and the school outreaches Friday with Game and Friday night. And on Sunday, we have... Uh, well, let's, I, I skipped over Saturday night. Oh, Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, right. We, we can't do, do that. Uh, and, uh, so, so Saturday night, uh, October 21st at 7 o'clock. Doors open at 6.30. We will be premiering a, uh, a three-act play called Gentle Hacksaw, written by uh, Eric LaRocca, who's just won a bunch of Stoker Awards, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but Eric will also he'll be in attendance at the festival. And we'll be talking to him a little bit later this morning, so you can hear from him uh, about what the, the play is about and a little bit about his backstory. Um, but we will be partnering with uh, Hoax Brewing, our friends over at Hoax Brewing, and they will be creating a special brew for the evening called Gentle Hacksaw. So it'll be a little bit of dinner Interesting theater. Interesting title for a beer and a play. <laughs> <laughs> it is very good. Very good. Uh, and then uh, Sunday, the last day of the festival, is... Another big day, uh, and I think a, a really interesting one, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's the return of Victoria Can, who is the author of the Pinkalicious series that was on PBS. Um, she's doing, she's going to read from her book, uh, Pink or Treat, because we are the week before Halloween at this point. Um, so that'll be at 10 a.m. That's one uh, for families uh, to register early for because uh, she, she tends to sell out very, house, very quickly. Yes. Uh, so come in costume and then uh, get ready to uh, march in a Halloween parade after you hear from Victoria. Yeah, we're happy to kick off a week long of Halloween, right? Yes, I'm very <laughs> – it would be a month long if it was up to me. Uh, and and uh, two more things on Sunday. Uh, 
So Gary Lucas, uh, the acclaimed guitarist who played in, in Jeff, Beck's ba- uh, Jeff Buckley's band, uh, will be performing live at 2 o'clock in, in our forum. Um, another free event. Uh, the registration will be open soon. But what he's doing is he, he's going to accompany a uh, silent version of the Spanish-language uh, Universal Monsters Dracula film from the 30s. Uh, so that film was shot at night uh, after the Lugosi, the famous Lugosi film, was had finished shooting for the day. So, so we'll have this, uh, the, the film playing on our huge 18-foot video wall, yeah. uh, and then Gary will be performing the score live, which will be really, really cool. That's really exciting. I mean, that's such a great use of our space. We did something similar to that recently with the Psychedelic Cinema which Orchestra, so cool. yeah. accompanying a film on Shackleton. So we know that this is going to be nothing other than an amazing afternoon and weekend. Yeah, and, and finally, uh, for all you writers out there, uh, we are bringing back the Writers' Conference portion of StoryFest, mm-hmm. so it'll be called uh, Pitch Fest at StoryFest, and it'll be taking place all day. This is the one thing, really, that has a, a, a charge, so you'll have to go to uh, the Bloom Writers' Studio website to sign up for the, the full-day event, um, but you're going to get to uh, pitch directly to agents. So if you're uh, an aspiring writer, you will be uh, in uh, in, in the room with an agent pitching your ideas. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, as Alex said, that there's a lot of entry points to StoryFest. So mm. whatever your interest is, and there's something for you there. And we will be doing a lot more, as the details are kind of finalized now, promotion for it. So if you're on our website and get our newsletter, there'll be a lot for that to remind you to sign up. But I think key is key, the those ticketed events to really make sure you get a seat. And yes, don't, don't miss, for sure. Don't miss out. Yep. Um, and um, Alex mentioned one of our authors, Clay, who's going to... Um, Come. This is how he's he's been to Storyfest a couple years now. So. Yes, he did one virtual, and then his first in person was last year. But yeah. um, he'll be returning this year. Uh, Clay McLeod Chapman. He's the author of the novels Ghost Eaters, Whisper Down the Lane, the remaking, uh, and a bunch of uh, comics for Marvel Comics. So uh, let's hear from Clay. Clay, fearmongers! It's a podcast. Tell us all about it. I don't know why I did this to myself, but, you know, December of last year, I said I'm not doing nearly enough. And my my New Year's resolution was I want to talk to authors who I admire and that I just want to fan out on, like geek out on. And um, <laughs> so I had this amazing idea to create a, a kind of, you know, slipshod salon series where once a month I would invite, you know, two uh, authors who I admire and ask them if they would read from something that they wanted to read from, you know, dealer's choice. It doesn't matter to me as long as it was them doing what they do. And uh, you, Alex, Westport Library had to kind of enable me and make this into a podcast. And now it's become this this kind of massive enterprise um, where once a month we're we're putting out a podcast. And it's been absurdly fun um, for me. I can only imagine what it's like for people listening at home. I think that's our tagline, enabling writers since 1927 or whenever we, we reopened this place. Um, I guess you probably already touched on it, but do you have a favorite part about doing the podcast? What do you, what do you really get a kick out of uh, on the show? I mean, for me, it's just letting these, these authors kind of talk about what scares them. I, I mean, I, it's silly, but, you know, in my kind of inside the actor studio brain, um, I always – 
I always kind of come back to this one particular question, which is, or two questions, which is, um, you know, can you remember the first time that you were frightened? And can you also remember the first time that you frightened somebody else? Um, and it's, you know, super simple questions, but, you know, these, most of the times the writers kind of like really kind of plumb the depths and kind of come up with this amazing story. And, um, honestly, for me, like, it's just been a joy to kind of hear them kind of speak to those, those moments when we were kids and, you know, whether it was a movie, whether it was a book, whether it was a brother or sister kind of jumping out from the shadows. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing how like each writer kind of tells a very specific and probably not too surprising story to see, you know, who they've become. I will say that it hasn't released yet, but it will release in the next couple of days. The, the podcast you just recorded, I think Amakatsu by far gave the most terrifying answer to that question. <laughs> yes. I mean, what's phenomenal about Alma is that she's put in so many years as a government worker and, you know, I can't say too much because otherwise I'll get assassinated. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I'm kind of in awe with her kind of previous career before she started writing novels, uh, which are terrifying enough. Um, and, and yet she, here she is kind of speaking specifically to the things of like, nothing scares her, nothing is sacred at this point. Like she's, she's seen it all, folks. We ended that podcast, uh, we ended the recording and I got up from the table and my wife looked at me and said, are you okay? And I said, I will <laughs> be soon. I just need to shake that off a little bit. Um, <laughs> so kind of on that note, you want to tease a little bit about what's coming up on Fear Mongers? Well, I mean, we we have Alma and Nat coming pretty pretty soon to your eardrums, right. and then after that, Nat um, Cassidy, because last names are good. Yes, that's right, Nat Cassidy. I always it's so funny because he's a pal of mine, so mm. like you know, it's just Nat. Um, forgive me, Nat. I apologize. Um, can I give away who our next guests are? Can this be an exclusive? Is that yeah? Is that, let's uh, do it. Yeah? Let's do it, please. Um, we have Johnny Compton, who wrote an amazing book called The Spite House, and Katriana Ward, um, who has written, oh my gosh, uh, you name it, and your, your, your nightmares are, she's kind of single-handedly responsible for them, but, uh, I mean, I think our listeners will probably know her most for the the last house on Needless Street, but there's Sundial, there's the most recent Looking Glass Sound. Um, it's it's going to be a great episode. That's uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, and, and folks, you can find uh, Clay's podcast, Fearmongers, wherever you get your podcasts. We're, we're on Apple, <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's such a great show. And I was going to, you know, I want to get into the books that you're working on and what you have out. Uh, but first, I want to do the thing that you do to everybody. So, Clay Chapman, can you remember <laughs> the first thing that scared you? Oh my lord! Nobody's ever turned it around on me. I, I I'm I'm kind of buckling under the pressure. But uh, I mean, Lord, I <laughs> if it was a film, it would be. Uh, it's embarrassing to admit, but there was a uh, a, a horror comedy that came out when I was a kid called. Saturday the 14th. Um, but I watched it at uh, a ripe old age of like, say, four or five. And there was some spooky moments in it that, that kind of stuck with me. Um, but I also, <laughs> for 
for some reason, I just, as a kid, I would always have uh, reoccurring dreams about um, granite heads, statue heads, like Greek Adonis heads. Freud is going to have a field day with this, like, you you know, (laughs) but I don't know what it is. But like, for some reason, like, I would just always have these dreams about like little statue heads, like the statue of David or like something that Michelangelo probably like kind of tossed into the trash. And, but they were, they would always kind of like wobble. They didn't have feet. They didn't have anything underneath them. So they would just do that kind of clunk, 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 clunk towards me. And um, I just remember having that dream a few too many times as a kid. And I uh, can't say why, you know, but uh, there you go. <laughs> That's am- You know, it made me think immediately, you must be terrified of Bad Religion, the band, because their latest, their their last album, their most recent album, that's their cover. It's a statue head oh sitting on a Ugh. car seat, which uh, now I'll always think of you when I listen to that album. See, there you go. That's what it's all about. Spinning yarns, telling the stories. Like, you never know. You know, you see these things and like they, they just kind of sink into your subconscious. Yeah, I, so- I claim Bad Religion. <laughs> so doing uh, doing the thing you do, uh, part two here, uh, what, can you talk to us a little bit about the first time that you scared another person and why you loved it so much? <laughs> I feel awful because it's it's a it's not it doesn't it's not a good look for me. But um, I, I do remember uh, growing up in uh, Woodmont suburb um, in Richmond, Virginia. There was a, a poor boy who lived down like two doors down from from me, whose name was Michael. I'll I'll spare his last name to, to kind of protect the innocent. Um, but he was, he was probably like three or four years younger than me. And me and my friend Billy uh, somehow convinced him because Billy's older sister would babysit Michael. <laughs> and one night when uh, Billy's older sister was babysitting Michael, um, we had somehow kind of spent the day convincing Michael that uh, we were werewolves. And I know this sounds <laughs> kind of familiar to someone else's uh, um, uh, recent kind of story. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, basically I had a, what was it? There were, it was a Newfoundland. Do you remember the new, like, you know, Newfoundland dogs, like big, yeah, yeah, sure. bulky, I'm hairy a, I'm a dog. dog, dog expert, Clay. Yeah. Yep. Newfoundland, they shed like you would not believe. Um, and in essence, I like Billy and I just kind of spent the day combing, like brushing um, our my dog Leia um, after Princess Leia, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just kind of like gathering all of that fur. And given the fact that we knew that Billy's older sister would be babysitting Michael, uh, we snuck out of our houses and took all of that fur and kind of intermittently dispersed them around Michael's window um, so that when he woke up the following morning, there would be evidence of our sheddage, I guess you could say, um, and kind of give further proof that we were in fact werewolves. How and, old were um, you? How, this is like next level this is, pranking. This is really this thought is, out. I mean, this was fifth grade, and uh, we did the, the whole kind of window tap thing, oh too, which gosh. was just like... And he was so, poor Michael, he was so traumatized. Like, we, like, you know, we, the, the, it worked. It was successful, but maybe a little too successful. And um, the following day, um, Michael's father uh, basically approached both Billy and myself and gave us a kind of stern talking to 
where we had to kind of come clean and apologize to Michael that we were in fact not werewolves uh, and that it wasn't werewolf fur, but it was in fact just dog fur. Um, and uh, it was the first, it was the first time I frightened someone or I remember frightening someone, uh, but it was also the first time that I realized that there were consequences to fear. Yeah, you, <laughs> and, you, uh, you know, I feel like you owe paid some, the price. some uh, psychologist bills for, for somebody after that. That's, <sighs> that is pretty good though. Um, yeah. All right. So we, we got just a minute or so left. So I wanted to, to shift to, to, to your writing career because you are uh, one heck of an author. And I'm, I'm wondering, what, so what, what's out now that people can check out? And then what's coming up next for you? Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like the, the book that folks seem to be having the most fun with um, is most recently uh, this novel I wrote called Ghost Eaters. Mm, so good. Um, which is, yeah, right? It's, a, it's all about like a haunted drug, you know, pop a pill, see the dead. Um, it's a lot of fun, spooky fun. Um, and then coming up, I've got a, a new novel called What Kind of Mother? And it is a Southern Gothic folk horror. And I think the, the kind of best way to kind of describe it is just like imagine a Nicholas Sparks novel going right off the rails, like just horribly, horribly wrong. Like all all bad things happen in this book. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and starts that, off with good intentions. That book is out in September, uh, and you will be yep. here in Westport at Story Fest um, to to talk to people about that book and sign that book. We'll have plenty of copies available. Uh, so Yay. come to story fest, meet clay. Uh, and my, my last question is super self-serving, but clay, I want you to tell me why story fest is just the best literary festival in the whole world. I mean, I feel bad for all the non horror authors, but I, what I loved about last year's story fest and what I love about what's coming up is that it is a genre Lollapalooza, like it's just you. You, I don't know how you do it, but you get all of the coolest, greatest, you know, spooky authors, science fiction authors, fantasy authors. And for me, like, what blows my mind is that, like, I just can't. I'm, I'm, I get to be around these these people, and it's very, very hard not to geek out on them because they are the book. They are the authors of the books that I love and admire the most. Awesome. Well, you, you are uh, an author of books that, that we love and admire, and we're so happy that you're coming <laughs> back to StoryFest this year. Uh, and uh, before StoryFest, get a crash course on quite a few StoryFest authors uh, by checking out Fearmongers. Um, so, Clay, with that, I want to say thank you, and we'll see you at StoryFest. Here we go. Can't wait. Well, I can't wait either. I hope everybody comes and geeks out on StoryFest like the rest of us. You're listening to WPKN 89.5 FM, uh, streaming in Connecticut, Long Island, and around the world at WPKN.org. And I'm Jennifer Bangser with the Westport Library. You're listening to our open book radio program, where my colleague Alex Giannini and I get the pleasure of talking about all the things we love to bring to you. So that was great to talk with Clay and um, he's, just, he's a character. He's a character. a character. I love his phrasing of things and his imagination, and it made me think about a lot of scary things. Yeah, and his new book will be out right around Story Fest time, so it's a good 
good chance to buy it. Pick it up and get it signed. Yeah, pick it up and get it signed. Absolutely. So along with StoryFest, the weekend before, we're actually doing kind of a kickoff event that's really exciting. Friday the 13th, very appropriately, there's a troupe out of New York called the Fireside Mystery Theater, and they're basically started as a podcast where they take the concept of old-time radio and perform it live with sound effects and all kinds of stories and thrills and chills. And I were delighted to be bringing them as kind of a prelude to StoryFest, right, I think Alex? they're the perfect prelude to StoryFest. Uh, I mean, you had a couple things going for you. First, there's a Friday the 13th in October, which is perfect. <laughs> uh, and StoryFest is the celebration of story in, in all its forms, right? So. Yeah. Fireside brings exactly that. So let's hear from them about what they're going to bring to us in, in just a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, welcoming Gus Rodriguez and Ali Silva of Fireside Mystery Theater to our conversation. So welcome, Allie and Gus, to our Open Book Radio show with Alex and I. We're delighted to talk to you about Fireside Mystery Theater. So tell us a little bit about Fireside Mystery Theater and what folks can expect. Well, we are an audio theater company, uh, deeply inspired by old-time radio theater. Uh, we perform live. We also have um, an audience through our podcast. Um, and uh, we're also deeply inspired by history and all sorts of macabre stories. Uh, we, like, uh, we like giving ourselves chills uh, and giving our audience a few chills and thrills with uh, some of our original content. Yeah, some, there's, some, there's some laughs in there, too. We like to have fun. Um, yeah, we like to think of ourselves as not being, we're, yeah, we're macabre, but we don't like to use the word, say, outright horror, so, so to speak. We like more like the weird, the macabre, or, you know. The so weird and strange, that word. Yeah. Weird and strange. I like, I think, Gus, maybe it was your description, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the description of being where the Twilight Zone meets Prairie Home Companion. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a pretty good example, a pretty good description, I would, I would say. I think that is also kind of an aesthetic that might hit the Connecticut landscape a little bit, yeah, right? We hope so. And how, how did you guys start? What was the, when you got the idea to do this, or where did the idea to do this come from, and, and how did you get it started? Well, we knew each other for a few years, uh, and we were both looking for something to do. I know Ali is an actor and was currently, you know, on hiatus, I guess. And I was bartending. That was my, that was my main acting <laughs> gig for a little too long. We, um, we, we developed Fireside Mystery Theater out of just a hunger to create, to perform, to, um, to do it in our, on our own terms, yeah. uh, in our own way. Um, and, you know, we had to create the gig for ourselves. Right. It was, we found, it was, you know, both of us found to do this kind of work, often you have, you have to wait for someone to give you permission or you have to audition. Or, and this was a, a way we can just sort of set the, the tone and the terms for ourselves. It sounds and, like, uh, a lot, both, oh, I'm sorry, a lot of the authors that we talked to, you know, why'd you write that book? It's because it's the book that I wanted to read. And that, that sounds like kind of where you guys started from as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we, I, I had this idea kind of sitting in my drawer for a long time and uh, Allie just had a similar you know yearning to do this kind of work we love audio theater we love ra old radio shows we love old-time radio we both share that, that that love and interest and literature and things like that Allie is a classical theater you know 
She loves well, her Shakespeare and Mallory. And all. I, I think it's really cool that you guys have been able to bring kind of that old time golden age of radio sound into the future, into today, marrying it with podcasts and also some contemporary tales of mystery and intrigue, whether it's, uh, I think you had one story about uh, a, a mystery with a car app, right? Or, you know, that's like correct. Yeah. <laughs> some of the trouble that we can get into in modern times, right? Yeah, that's right. It was satire. It's called The Ride Share. That was a long-form piece we did over a few episodes about a fictionalized uh, kind of Uber-style uh, app called Schnell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mixed, a mixed humor. It was satire, I'd say. But it, was, it had definitely had a... Suspense and macabre elements to it as well. That was a lot of fun. To do a one. little bit of an edge, and for our viewers who will be in the audience with you on October thirteenth, live in our Treffs Forum, we're going to have a custom cocktail, arsenic and old lace cocktail for you. So why don't we talk uh-huh. a little bit about why that's a meaningful cocktail that we'll be serving with your what you're going to prefer? Other than we'll be drinking it, <laughs> drinking it, and some of the after, some after of the. the show. Some of the <laughs> mysteries of Connecticut's landscape that you might be bringing to the audience. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun researching uh, about the various folklore and, and, uh, and history of Connecticut. Yeah. And you're going to find a lot of that in this show. Everything from uh, the main piece I'm working on has to do with the Hartford Circus Fire of 1945. Uh, uh, excuse me. And that's been a fascinating. I keep, even as I've been putting it together, that's as been taking shape. The script, I keep discovering new nuggets that, that can be incorporated into it. It's, it's really fascinating. It's horrible, but it's also a very uh, fascinating story. I'm trying to do something really special with it. That's going to be a little different than what we've done in the past, and that's going to be uh, in the way we tell the story. How we will drift between the past and the present. And it's a little sidetrack. Is is that typically the working method? Do you go location specific to, to create shows or, or do you start with a theme and, and go from there? We're an anthology series, so we, we're ready to go anywhere. So it can be just from our own imaginations. But yeah, we, we frequently like to draw on uh, we, all of our shows are spun from the theme, for example. And we tend to, it's, uh, I guess one of our tendencies is to do, do sort of historical fiction. I love the Yale Doctorow style of mm. historical fiction. So we did a piece, two two long form pieces about Nellie Bly, mm. that we're really proud of. Wow. That really took the actual words of Nellie Bly and created fictional pieces out of them, so, out of her out of her journalism. So and folks can find these stories. They're recorded on your podcast platform, correct? People that are listening that want to dive a little bit into what you've done in the past. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. very easy to find. As far as the mystery, just Google it anywhere you get podcasts. We're there and. We've been so thrilled in, in recent last last year or so. We started for the first time winning awards uh, of all kinds. We started oh. winning in audio festivals, web festivals, and film, film festivals. festivals. That's yeah. interesting. How film festivals? How does a podcast get to be an award winning? Uh, right. Entry in it, a film well, festival? well, I I think that's one of the um, if we can say that the pandemic has created any silver linings um, at a time when many theaters um, and productions were shut down, uh, we could still create audio content and do it remotely. And uh, um, so many film festivals opened up their their lineup to, um, include, a podcast to include audio oh, wow. content, you know, audio storytelling, 
um, and mm-hmm. audio theater. And so we, we just happened to be right place, right time. Wow. We won, we won the main podcast prize in a, the Rhode Island Film Festival. Rhode Island International Rhode Film Rhode Festival. Los Angeles. Uh, the Holly Shorts. Holly Shorts. We were, we were yeah. considered for the Holly Shorts yeah. Festival. New Zealand New Web Zealand. Festival. Yeah. New Jersey Web Festival. Yeah, we've had. Wow. And I, don't, I don't know what it means. Now they say our podcast is Oscar qualified because of these. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> well, means. Well, I think you, you've invented a whole new genre, maybe. I don't know. It's like a, <laughs> such an intersection of, of media, which is kind of the way the world rolls today. So it's accidental genius maybe i don't know <laughs> i also love the idea that you were, we'll take you were, it okay nominated for new zealand and new jersey there so, you go we got the ends covered yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was just thinking about which Allie one you would go to i'll just win an award at the atlanta fringe for best audio design so amazing uh, well myself and and my team of of great musicians and and uh um sound designers she well, which is just three of us, but, but yeah, we're, we've been very excited to, to get some uh, much-needed uh, confidence boost I mean, <laughs> in had, the recognition. podcast numbers. We, as you alluded to earlier, we doing this kind of show. We didn't mean for this that. didn't intend to, uh, for this to coincide with the rise of podcasts, but we, got, we were lucky. We were early on. Yeah. We got in again, right early. place, right time. Yeah. We started out just performing live. Um, sometimes we would record um, our live pieces, very and, it, crudely, and it, yeah. it did it very crudely. And it, and uh, we were so focused on just creating the content and doing the live show and mm. and um, uh, producing something that would be enjoyed, however ephemeral. And uh, it took um, another a friend of ours who came on as, as a producer and said, "You guys need to be a podcast already." Uh-huh. <laughs> and so and so, yeah, twenty fourteen. The rest is history. Yeah, well, trying to be ran towards the flame, but just, you know. <laughs> I think I was really lucky because I was able to see your live performance down at the Slipper Co- Club in Sono, and I this was early on in my job here at the library, and when I saw the performance. I just thought this is a perfect event for the new transformed library space that we created. So we are so happy to be bringing you here. So let's give our listeners a little idea of when they come into the space, what are they going to see and experience? Well, first of all, hopefully they will pick up a lovely signature cocktail. (laughs) Yes. Find a, a comfy place to sit. We, um, Though our our performance is geared for the ears and for the mind, the theater of the mind, we we clean up pretty well, <laughs> and so you'll you'll see a, a a row of actors in front of uh, microphones and music stands with scripts, impeccably dressed, mm-hmm. as impeccably as we can be, <laughs> and uh, um, we'll have we have a musician and um, a sound effects engineer, and it's. For the audience, we hope it's um, a bit of a taste of what it would be like to be in the recording studio okay. if we were recording this uh, for a broadcast. And we're going to take advantage of, we hope to take advantage of the resources of the library and that we can enhance the sound quality, mm. also take advantage of audiovisual possibilities. Say, for instance, when an actor is speaking, if we're talking about the, the circus fire, for example, when an actor was playing Emmett Kelly, the clown, we could see an image of Emmett Kelly behind the actor. Yes, using our video wall. That's something that's truly exciting about um, our upcoming experience at the library, to really introduce more of a visual element 
to our sonic performance. And we have, there's a piece we're going to do about how, you know, once upon a time in the mid-1700s, there were, you know, prior to the 1700s, the wool was populated in Connecticut. They were all over Connecticut. And now, and the last one was killed and, yeah, by a Revolutionary War hero, I think oh. 1742. Hmm. So I, we'd love to fill the whole, figure a way to get the whole kind of the audience surrounded by the sounds of like, you know, bang of wolves and for one night to have the wolves come back to the, to Connecticut. So that, that's the sort of ideas we're oh. playing with and we hope that li- working with the library we can achieve those sort of uh, visceral moments and Wow. Great takeaway moments. We're delighted and excited to have you. And it's going to be not only just an immersion of the mind, but of the sound and visual as well. Right? Oh, oh, yes. We are planning on that. (laughs) So, um, well, thanks for hopping on and chatting with us us today. So we'll see you October 13th and we'll uh, take it away. We'll see you soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Come on out, folks. We'd love to see you. And uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to you. You're welcome. Great. Well, you can get tickets for this event at the Westport Library website, westportlibrary.org, Fireside Mystery Theater on October 13th. And you are listening to WPKN 89.5 FM. I'm Jennifer Bangser with the Westport Library with my colleague Alex Giannini talking all things library and story fest and spookiness and everything that we can imagine down on the shores of the Saugatuck River. And now we have our third really exciting interview with an author playwright that Alex has cultivated to be part of our story fest family. And Eric LaRocca is going to join us on the phone with in conversation with Alex now. Yeah, so. and, uh- Eric is the Bram Stoker Award-nominated and Splatterpunk Award-winning author of several works of horror and dark fiction, including the viral sensation Things Have Gotten Worse Since Last We Spoke, and his latest novel, Everything the Darkness Eats, which is actually set in Connecticut. So we are thrilled to have Eric join us today. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you guys. Yeah, same. Hey, Eric. Welcome to Open Book. Yeah, so uh, we've got some questions for you, and I'm going to start with the the most self-serving question I can think of. Eric, can you tell us why StoryFest is the best literary festival in the world? Uh, well, that's an, you know a really easy question. StoryFest, <laughs> I've been to several um, you know literary fests um, over the years, and StoryFest is the most inclusive, um, well-thought-out, well-organized, um, it's just a treat to go to StoryFest. I went for the first time last year, and it was like my favorite fest that I've ever been to. Um, StoryFest is just such a welcoming community. The authors that um, that you guys are able to, to get to be on the roster is just absolutely outstanding. Um, it's also just so inspiring. It's a really inspiring place a lot of like really just interesting ideas floating around and really uh, dynamic conversations happening. Uh, it's just, it's my favorite, it's my favorite festival that I've ever been to. And I'm so excited to come again this year. I think it's going to be a really great year. Well, thank you for that. And we are super excited to have you back. And I, I feel like we'll get into it a little bit, uh, but your career has, has progressed so much just in a year uh, since story fest. So um before we get into that uh, piece, uh, let's talk about this story fest on October 21st. Um, and after a, a full day of author panels and book signings and, and all kinds of fun at the library, uh, Eric will be premiering uh, Gentle Hacksaw, your play. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about that play? 
Yeah, for sure. So um, Gentle Hacksaw is a piece that I wrote um, a couple years ago. It's a one-act play. Um, I still consider it like a full-length play. There's just like no intermission in it. Uh, It's a one-act piece. And it's basically about uh, these two high-profile gay men um, in Manhattan. And they become embroiled in this kind of like verbal cat-and-mouse game of uh, just like really utter cruelty when this unpleasant bargain that they make between one another just goes off the rails. Um, And their relationship begins to really disintegrate when social graces are kind of thrown thrown out the window and basic human decency is just completely obliterated. Um, And then, you know, consequently, uh, by the end of the play, both men discover these really shocking truths about themselves and one another that just completely transform both them and, you know, the dynamic of their relationship. And the play is really about uh, religion, identity, uh, what it means to be queer in, in, in the world, in the contemporary world, and, of course, violence. Uh, so it's a really just uh, visceral play. I hope audiences react to it. Uh, and it's, I'm just excited to premiere it at, at StoryFest. I can't wait to see it live, and and I, I think that's how I would describe your work. So much of your work is is beautifully written. It's it's some it's beautiful, visceral, and you know terrifying. So there there's um, there's all of that in in this play. When I describe it, I say it's hyper relevant. I'm just thinking you may have to make a couple of tweaks about their Twitter accounts because I think today is the first day of X and not Twitter. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of, I didn't. I didn't anticipate Elon Musk when I wrote this play. <laughs> um, well, so we uh, we're thrilled to have that, and as as we said, it's uh, Saturday, October twenty first at seven o'clock, uh, and you can find tickets at westportlibrary.org. Um, so from the and so Eric, so I guess your background a little bit. You grew up as a theater goer, right? And and from what I know about you, a little bit from other interviews that you've done, Tennessee Williams, Arthur Miller, those are some early influences. Yeah, definitely. I was a big theater kid growing up, um, loved doing community theater, met a lot of really great people. Um, I grew up in Kent, Connecticut, which is like the northwest corner of the state, and uh, did a lot of theater there. Um, You know, you mentioned Tennessee Williams. He was a big influence, Arthur Miller. uh, And then I kind of became more interested in like uh, playwrights like Philip Ridley, who's a really excellent British dramatist. He wrote um, The Pitchfork Disney Mm. and Mercury Fur, just really excellent, really visceral plays. And then also Tom Stoppard, who did like The Coast of Utopia and The Invention of Love. Um, He's another excellent playwright. So I've definitely been like a student of theater my whole life, Um, but I eventually kind of went into fiction writing. And I feel like playwriting really informs a lot of my decisions as an author. Um, so it's really exciting to kind of just go back to this form that I'm really passionate about and, and premiere a play, um, at one of my favorite places in the world, which is the Westport library. Well, uh, speaking of books, um, I saw you posted just last week, uh, that your novella, you've lost a lot of blood. Um, your publisher says it's one of Ingram sparks, a hundred top selling books of all time. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's amazing. I mean, Yeah, I was so blown away when I got that email. Um, Just really just caught me off guard. Um, That book has been like the little engine that could. It's been just so incredible to see 
how it's blossomed over the past year. I We had sent that book to a bunch of different publishers, and we got rejected pretty much every time we sent it out because it was just, it just wasn't what these publishers wanted. It was just too weird, too out there, too maybe too queer, just too, um, it just wasn't working for them. And I decided it was at a point when I didn't have a lot coming out. I had a lot of stuff like, you know, to be published, but I didn't have anything currently out at the moment. So I thought, oh, I'll just like self-publish something and just give the readers uh, something to tide them over. And uh, it just became a really, a really cool release with um, a lot of people picking it up. Uh, It went viral, I think, a couple of times on TikTok. I'm not really on TikTok, but I get videos sent to me sometimes by like dear friends. Um, And uh, it's been just incredible to see a book that uh, was kind of passed along a lot just by different editors well, and that's, to see it succeed. And it's just like, it is such a success story, you know? And that's become kind of a, a theme in your writing early on. You, you, a couple of viral sensations with you've lost a lot of blood. And then again, with things have gotten worse since last we spoke. So from, from, from those viral successes to now where you have a mainstream release and, and more on the way um, from the outside, looking in as a fan of yours, uh, it seems like your career is moving very quickly on an upward pace now. Uh, and similar to another Storyfest author, Stephen Graham Jones, from from our standpoint, it seems like you're releasing a new book every six months, and, and that's awesome for us. But I wonder how you feel about um, where your career's gone and, and, and um, you know, how quickly your books are coming out. I I mean, I'm so honored. Uh, like, I love, I love Stephen Graham Jones. I've definitely thought about him quite a bit. Uh, with my own writing and like my own release schedule. Um, I'm kind of being told a little bit more recently to kind of uh, stagger my releases a little bit more so that I'm not like overwhelming and like saturating the market. Um, So I think we're kind of landing on a, a, like a two book a year schedule. Mm. Uh, So for the next couple of years, I pretty much have releases locked in for uh, April and then again in September. So like, for instance, next year I have a fiction collection coming out with Titan Books in April, and then I have a full-length novel coming out in September. And kind of the same thing in 2025, and then so on, so on. Um, so I'm definitely I'm definitely more aware now that, uh, you know, in the indie scene, you can kind of just pump out as much as you can be, like, really prolific. But when you're with a bigger publisher, you kind of have to be a little bit more thoughtful and um, really just kind of go into every release and put your all into it and let it, let it gestate and let it simmer for a while. And then you can, you know, put out the next book. Um, so I'm really just trying to like slow myself down because I'm very impatient when it comes to releasing books. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I interviewed Stephen Graham Jones a couple of years ago and he, he said the same thing. Once he really moved on to uh, mainline publishing, they told him the same thing that he had to slow down. Uh, so I wonder with you, yeah. is it because he's uh, you know, a famously fast writer. Are you, uh, do you write really quickly? I, yeah, I do. I'm a really quick writer. Um, I can get through a draft like I mean, depending on the, the word count, but like, uh, like a play or a novella uh, you know, within a couple, within a week or two, I, I can get a draft done. Um, wow. And then, you know, obviously, like, you know, the next draft is 
another week and so on, so on. Um, but I'm, I'm just a very quick writer. And now, I mean, this is my, this is my full-time job. So I have a lot of time to just write and read and just be inspired. So um, it is a big ask of me to, to slow myself down and, and not really be as prolific. So I'm really trying to be more thoughtful about, uh, you know, putting out books and not rushing into different projects and just being more, um, you know, uh, just being more guided with, with what I do. And, and thankfully I have like a really great agent and a really, really great manager and just, I have a really great team behind me. So that's really, really exceptional, I think. Um, and just because we just have a couple more minutes left, I did want to talk about your your latest release, Everything the Darkness Eats. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah, so that's, uh, like you said, it's set in Connecticut, and it is a full-length novel that is uh, about, like, kind of occult forces being conjured in this uh, fictional small town uh, called Henley's Edge. And it's about a widower who's drawn into this uh, just really strange, bizarre ritual with this older gentleman, uh, and uh, a bunch of disappearances have been happening in this in this specific town, and the the widower uh, has to kind of grapple with uh, what's going on in in this town and what's going on with the the ritual that he's taking part in. Um, so it was published with Clash Books, and it came out in early June, and then Titan published it in the UK uh, in early July. And it's been really interesting to see people's reactions to it. I just uh, revealed on a podcast the other night that we're actually doing a special hardcover edition of the book, and that's coming out October 31st. Um, Appropriate. And that's coming out with, with, yeah, exactly, a nice like Halloween release. And a, it's going to be a special new cover uh you know, uh, Kim Jacobson did the cover art, who also did uh, the cover art for Things Have Gotten Worse, and did the cover art for You've Lost a Lot of Blood. So it really channels that kind of visceral, grotesque imagery that I love so much with, like, cover art. Um, and I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what people see what people think of the new edition. And um, like I said, it's just been really rewarding to see people's reactions to a book that I wrote a couple of years ago. Well, that is that's so cool that there's another uh, edition of that book coming out, and and as you mentioned, cover artists, you do get the best covers, Eric. And we want to uh, thank we are you. we are just out of time now, but I want to say thank you for for being here. Thank you for coming to Storyfest, and and we'll see you in just a couple of months at Storyfest. Sounds great. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, thank you, Eric, for joining us, and <clears throat> we hope to saturate you all with Storyfest the weekend of October twentieth. And be sure to check out our website. And thank you for listening to us on our open book radio program on WPKN 89.5 FM. And you can tune in for our next show on October 30th, where we'll be able to tell you about all the exciting things that have happened and that are going to continue to happen at the Westport Library. Thank you.